0: This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com.
1: There's a proposition, an initiative that is on the ballot in November that... Probably haven't hasn't gotten as much attention as some others. Hence our interest today. It is a proposal to deal with what, in the in the words of the the, the sponsor of something who passes the petitions gets to name it, basically deal with predatory debt collection and oh, predatory my predatory debt collection protection act. Thank you. I, I couldn't no. read my own <laughs> writing. I, I I copied the page <laughs> off and I and it didn't have room for the top and I scribbled it in and then I only when I read it now did I read. Really as I can read my own reading. That was Will Humble. He is the executive director of the Arizona Public Health Association. He's 35 years in public health, included more than two decades at the Arizona Department of Health Service, where he served in various capacities, including being agency director from 2009 through 2015. The other gentleman at my right here is Christian Lair, who I've known for years. He's been the owner of a medical debt collection company since 1990 and is a Member of the board of directors for the Collection
2: Industry Association, called ACA International. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. And just to clarify, ninety nine. I, I wish I'd been in the industry that long, but my handwriting is also poor. Sorry about I that. I misread
1: it. No, the handwriting says it's clearly it's it's. This is like remember that Woody Allen movie where he was uh, he was robbing uh, a bank, and uh, and and the guy picked up the, the clerk and he handed him a note. And, and he read it and he said, I have a gub. He says, no, it's gun. I have a gun. No, no, no. Clearly, that's a B. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to read a, a summary, a very, very, very short summary, and hopefully get you to agree with, or if, if, if you think it's missed something, what this measure would do is make multiple changes to the state statutes relating to wage garnishment and debt collection it limits the interest rate on medical debt to 3%, and it would protect more equity in homes, vehicles, household goods, and bank accounts. We can get into the exact amounts later if we want from being taken by creditors. In other words, it protects a little bit more in the way of assets and can, and limits the amount that can be garnished from wages to pay off debts. Fair That's straight. the core. That is it. Fair core. Okay. Well, why is that a good idea? I your, think it, your, uh, your 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 uh, association has come out in favor of it.
3: Right, I'm uh, the executive director for the Arizona Public Health Association, and uh, we're in uh, our board of directors, and our membership is in uh, favor of Prop uh, 209. A couple others were in favor of 211, and uh, a couple were against a couple of the other propositions. But we're here for 209 today. And at first, when I wrote the, the my little statement in the Publicity pamphlet that voters probably will have received, or you're going to be getting it shortly in the mail. Um, I put this in. I put a little statement in there. Like, why does a public health association care about debt collection? Well, it's pretty simple, really, uh, because if you if you if you go to the core of what causes a family to have good health outcomes in other words if the, a family's health status is directly related to how much money they have to support their family do they have enough money to have secure housing are they able to to buy fresh fruits and vegetables and you know um get the extras that their kids need for school are they able to have decent health insurance and and pay that premium so like the the, the one of the ways to improve the health status of a family is to get it so that the their core income is such that they're able to make good choices for their family. And one of the reasons when I looked at two hundred nine when it was still being circulated as a petition that grabbed my interest is that I thought, look this this actually this looks like a good lever to um, provide a backstop for low income families. Uh, So that we can modernize the debt collection laws to help it to to give them a better chance of being able to pay their debt down without going into poverty. And that because that thing about going into poverty that has a direct link into the health status for the family, even if there's no kids involved, if it's a couple older adults, it's like if you can't afford the basics, you're going to have a bad Family health outcomes so that 's why i uh, took interest in it and you know read through it and we could get into the details later i don 't want to filibuster the opening mm. remarks here, but uh, that 's basically why i mean that 's why we were for it and i 'm for it is i 'd like to see a better backstop for especially low income people so that they've you know so that they don 't end up Having, if they're already in poverty,
1: having additional w- wages garnished. Let me and so forth. ask Christian a specific question, and then I'll let you respond. Totally. Um, when I read this, uh, my assumption was that the beneficiaries would m- primarily not be the poor, but be the some some group in the middle class. The theory being that if you're poor. You're probably on some sort of public assistance access or something. And the people getting hit with medical bills are people who are sort of lower middle, who have cho- largely chosen not to take out health insurance, and uh, but who have some assets to secure. The poor... Uh, I think you I, I'm guessing you'd write those off. If, if somebody has nothing, that's probably as a bill collector, one of the first things you look at is there any is there any real chance of collection here?
2: Well, that's true. And when you talk about the very low income, you're looking at uh, Medicaid access in the state of Arizona, and you're also looking at charity care that's provided by a, a vast majority of not only the hospitals but other medical providers. Mm-hmm. So you're right. This would appear to address the people who are above that level, but you know, the, the big concern that that we have about this, our industry and, and you know, my clients here in particular in Arizona, that cutoff is about fifty thousand dollars when you look at the calculations that come out in terms of, of garnishments and uh, fifty thousand in wages. In wages. Which is the median income in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at about half of the people who are going to be judgment proof, people who aren't going to be able to be sued or, or garnished for any of the debts that they owe regardless of whether they can pay it or not, whether it's a medical bill. And, you know, unfortunately, this is a little misleading because it it has been promoted as reducing medical debt, but it addresses all debts. It's not just medical debts, credit cards, um, auto loans, home loans, everything. Well, that's a bit uh, of an uh, overreach. We well, would say. well, that's really also quite a different argument
1: in, in yeah. the sense that if it's medical debt, you think of, uh, you know, if somebody, the mistake was being uninsured, even if you you know, or
3: or know, underinsured, underinsured like choosing a bad marketplace where, where plan, as, so. uh,
1: you know i I could see uh, you know that's I, I i I as an individual would look at that quite differently if I saw somebody had ran up their tra- credit card you know that th- I think there's more more well, culpl- as opposed to somebody goes in the hospital has no idea what something comes out, comes out with a six figure bill. Says, oh, yeah. my God.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, exactly, And I'll, I'll tell you the phrase that, my, or the, I should say the, the statement that my stepdad made to me He founded our company. He worked as a hospital CFO and a treasurer, and his favorite saying was, "No one ever overspent on their heart attack, because we only collect medical debts. That really hit home for all of us. It's what we tell our employees when they first start. You have to have empathy for people who are coming up with these unexpected and certainly unaffordable, in a number of cases, uh, bills." But he also stressed how important it was those people who can pay should pay because the hospitals and the doctors r- rely on that money to keep the doors open. So if you're looking at making changes to how we bill people for medical debts or how we collect from people who have medical debts, this is a very blunt instrument that doesn't just address medical debts. And I think some could argue it at $50,000 for an annual income there are people in that group who can probably pay, if not all, at least part of the debts they owe or make arrangements for it, and they'll now be mostly excluded. Now, are these, a matter, as a matter of uh, clarification, are these ors or ands? In other words,
1: let's say somebody makes $45,000. Okay, they may have their wages exempt from garnishment, but suppose they also have assets, higher
2: level assets. You, you can go after the other assets, but not the, not the wages? Correct, but you're looking at Significantly increased uh, threshold for that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so ultimately, right. but it's
1: an ore. In other yeah. words, you, wages is one pile. If you're below a certain right. level, you can't go after the wages. But and there are a lot of people like minimally employed pe- retired people may have no wages, mm-hmm. but have significant assets. Uh, certainly possible. And yes. and the other clarification is though this is I, I'm sure medical is the biggest part of this. This law doesn't distinguish the source of the debt. Is that true?
3: Well, yeah, well, the interventions are different depending on the classification of debt. Mm-hmm. So, you're going back to your original question about uh, who does this the medical debt mostly affect? I agree with you on that that I think we're looking at the folks that are just above that threshold that don't qualify for Medicaid that's access in our state and uh and so we'll we'll
1: come back All to that. All that, thought, thank second. you. We'll, we'll we'll be back in just a moment in the think tank
0: the think tank KTAR news on 923 FM and ktar.com
1: we're back with Will Humble and Christian Neer talking about the proposition 209 predatory debt collection my caveat is that is a, that that word predatory was put in by the
2: sponsors obviously is loaded if if you give me a moment i'd really love to address that go ahead well. go ahead again being in this industry as long as i have It's insulting and offensive when you say predatory debt collections Mm -hmm. as though all debt collectors are predators. Again, another analogy I've used with people, if you loan your brother-in-law $100 and you ask them to pay it back, are you a predator? If you uh, ask someone to pay you after you cut their hair, are you a predator? Mm -hmm. You've extended credit to them. You've cut their hair before they gave you the money. When you ask them to pay, are you a predator or are you just asking to be paid back for the services you rendered? Mm -hmm. Our industry, highly regulated at the federal level hundreds of pages of uh, regulations regarding the laws at the state. Each state has their own laws regarding debt collectors and debt collections. There's no shortage of regulations we have to follow, plus all the court cases that have decided how those should be interpreted. Uh, And to say that just as a group we're predators, I I think, again, it's not only unfair but offensive. I would have loved for Healthcare Rising to come talk to our association to see if we could give any valuable input, which we do with a number of people who oppose debt collections or Mm -hmm. think that it's unfair. And unfortunately, they didn't. So, again, I just want to get that out there. I'm sure there's very little sympathy for a debt collector who says we feel like we're being put upon. But, again, ultimately, anybody who's you're probably up there there with
1: lobbyists (laughs) and a bunch of others where you're you're not in a good category to begin with. Well, ultimately, you're trying to get money for people, and those people aren't going
2: to like it, (laughs) regardless of the legitimacy or anything else about it. (laughs) It's, It's often hard to get people to communicate with us. That's the other message I want to get out there. If you get a call from a debt collector, talk to them. We have a lot of restrictions on what we can do. We want to get the money for our clients. And if you don't know it, I've made this uh, case before. In the last 15 years, a third of the dollars I collect come from insurance companies. Hmm. They didn't pay. They didn't pay correctly. They argued whether or not they should be responsible or someone else is. We want to get the money that's owed to our clients. And we want to help the patients because, again, a third of the dollars we get. Mm-hmm aren't coming from them. They're coming from insurance companies that should have paid it in the first place. We are about two and a half minutes in this
1: segment, but, but
2: partially in the break,
1: we discovered uh, that a point of clarification I want to make is that, and tell me if I got this right, most of these provisions apply equally to medical and to other debt, but that there is one aspect of this initiative that applies exclusively to medical debt, and that is capping the interest rate at 3%. The interest rate on other... Other types of debt is untouched by this. Is that a fair statement? Correct. Yes. So, um, what would uh, uh, Christian? I, I think I uh, you, you you've gotten the short end of the time here. I want to I want to sure. let you respond in, in greater length
2: to the biggest worry we have is that this by excluding essentially half the Arizona population, half the people who are, who are making under that fifty thousand dollars a year from uh, being required to pay their mm-hmm. bills is going to hurt them more than it's going to help them. If you do that, the creditors aren't going to loan the money. Or if they do, it's going to be much more expensive. You're going to have prepayment requirements, not only from credit cards or utilities or auto loans, where they're not going to be willing to loan you the money unless you pay most of it up front. And if mm-hmm. you uh, have a balance, it's going to be high to reflect that risk. But the thing we've seen in other states, you have doctor's offices who are now saying, not only do we need your copay, here's what we estimate your co-insurance and your deductible to be. We're not going to see you until you pay it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need that up front because we're not sure we're going to get it three months down the line mm-hmm. after your insurance comes through. You know, we're a credit economy. People mm-hmm. don't often, uh, unless they come from California, pay for their you know cash uh, for their houses. So it, it's a real concern. The mm-hmm. creditors see that and they're going to... Um, react appropriately
1: where i think that would not occur is when you're talking about hospital bill the big hospital bills because essentially a lot of those are emergency cases or mm-hmm. cases that it, now if it's a discretionary uh procedure then yes
3: yeah, and, yeah and one good thing here is that federal laws and even state laws have been changed recently that help with that surprise billing piece which i hope cuts down on some of the medical mm-hmm. debt overall regardless of what happens with 209 but for years and years we had you know these the surprise billings where people would go in and get a procedure and the everyone was in network except let's say the anesthesiologist and now they got a $3000 bill when they thought everything was covered well Finally, at the federal and state level, some of that has been straightened out, and and that's a really good thing, because it, it forces the hospitals and the insurance plans to do better coordination about who's actually in network. Prior so to that, that, they had no incentive. That's right, because yeah. it ended up as, you know, on the consumer, and then they would negotiate. It's not always ends up as debt. Yeah. A lot of times, they negotiate after... different tactics but they end up you know depends on how stubborn you are about and how good a negotiator you are honestly of what you can get that down to that's again this is not a 209 thing that's a
1: separate well there's a whole whole issues about medical billing that have all kinds which i wanted to get into but i want to do that after the break because we've only got a minute or so in this segment uh uh you know the other things that were involved in addition to the three percent cap. The, do you have the figures here? The pr- currently uh, Arizona law protects two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of equity in a home, uh, six thousand uh, 6, for a mo- motor vehicle, and only three hundred dollars in a bank account. Six thousand in household goods, and and those are increased. Do you know the figures that those are going to right now? I had yeah.
3: Been. The house is, if it passes would go to four hundred thousand.
2: Mm-hmm. Etc- and etc- and etc- and
3: it, instead of two hundred fifty thousand, and would be increased with the cost Inflation. of living index, not the housing index. Right, yeah. the cost of living was a different thing. So we'll go on break, right? No, well, we got.
1: Go uh, ahead. We're going to thirty seconds, Christian. You got <laughs> him.
2: Um. Honestly, uh, I I really want to get into the surprise billing if we do have some time after that because that is another area where I I think that's misleading. The thing I'd like to end on right here is, if you want to fix medical bills, let's fix that. This doesn't do just that. And easy to confuse the twos. We'll pick this
1: discussion up. Yeah. They're re- they're related. Yeah. yeah. Well, and perceived as related, because it's all about what you pay. We'll return with this discussion in the Think Tank after the break.
0: The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Uh... We're
1: back with uh, Bill, Will Humble and uh, Christian Lair. Uh, Will, want to ask you this. As a former DHS director, I think one of the things that has baffled us a lot is not directly on top of it. It's certainly related. You go into the hospital for something. You come out and you have something that in front of you that if it goes to insurance, you owe uh, five. The insurance company is going to pay $5,000 and the hospital accepts that. If you have no insurance and you're paying cash on the line, they're asking for fifty thousand. Uh, this is contrary to the way everything else in the entire world works. Cash up front usually gets you a discount, not a surplus. And a lot of these folks, I assume that uh, are in medical debt situations, are getting the larger number as 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 what they're what they're being billed. Is there a fix to that? I mean, obviously. The hospitals can live with five thousand. That's what they're getting in the vast majority of cases. That's what is insurance is paying, particularly Medicare, which, which is And Medicaid, which is which is tighter than most insurance companies by a bit.
3: Oh yeah, and Medicaid too. Yeah. Access.
1: I mean, I remember just in a specific. I, I had a emergency room visit, but I wasn't. I mean, I was I was going to the emergency room. I needed, but it wasn't anything cash. So I'm, I. I paid attention to everything that everybody did. And I had some sense of what people's salaries were, you know. And I said, how much time did they spend with me? And then I said, okay, this is how much their salary is. Let me add 100% for overhead because there's lots of, off, you know. And I came up with a figure. And uh, when I saw the bill, the bill was for 10 times that. But the amount, a lot quote, the allowed amount for the insurance company was almost dead on to the figure I'd come up with you know, that seemed to be a reasonable number that the hospital could get by on that, at least in a, in a ballpark sense. But uh, if you have people who are being hit by hospitals by for that larger number, it, it's not hard to see how in a lot of cases those are simply not doable numbers for most people.
2: I, I would argue that... Um you're not seeing anybody getting those bills anymore. People who are completely uninsured are generally qualifying for part or all of the bill to be written Mm -hmm. off through uh, the charity programs that that the hospitals have. Mm -hmm. My other argument would be when you talk about the pricing, I know it seems unfair, but if you were to buy something from Walmart, you're going to pay the Walmart price. If Walmart is buying a million of those a month, they're not paying that price. Right. So those contract negotiations with insurance companies I, are
1: addressing when it. When I go into Walmart there's a there's a ticket on the price and I can and I can yeah. do it or not. I'm not well, bleeding to death at the time and I see what the price I, is. I, I go understand. into the hospital. I have no idea. Nobody ever has asked anybody in the hospital,
2: do you want this? It's $1500. Right, I, I understand. Emergency yeah. medicine certainly has that problem. Yeah. I won't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But I would say, in Arizona at least, all of the prices are posted. Every hospital is required to do that. So the, the prices are out there. They are mm-hmm. available. In an emergency situation, you're right. Again, no one mm-hmm. overspent on their heart attack. You didn't go out and shop for the best cardiologist when you're in the middle of a heart attack. So again, we understand that.
1: Uh, well, as a former Department of Health Services director, you're you had an interest in keeping the hospitals solvent. Do you see a negative impact of of something like this on the solvency of hospitals?
3: uh you know i'm not an actuary or an accountant to and it and to you know it, to look inside the books of the hospitals but you know the the, the truth of the matter is if this passes um it's going to change the nature of how medical debt can be collected what assets are protected the thresholds um for collecting and garnishing wages and that will have some impact I, I can't talk to the magnitude of it it would have some impact on the you know the ability of hospitals and the and the doctor networks to contract with those hospitals mm-hmm. on what they're able to collect and what they're what they're not no longer able to collect and then this rapidity or speed at which they'll be able to collect on some of the debt so the, so like i'm not here saying that this is a one-way street my attitude is I think that this that two hundred nine does more good than it does harm. But I'm not here to say there's nothing, there's no side effects, there's there are no unintended consequences that we can't predict. And I and what you just pointed out one, which is you know the the threshold and speed at which you know medical debt can be collected, what kind of assets are protected um, from the person who you know owes that money. Through medical or some other consumer debt, um, and and you know, and you mentioned it earlier, Christian, that that you know, look, it, it, it's going to change the dynamics on who gets – what entities that loan money on the consumer side, not so much medical, but on the consumer side, and the and the you know, what are they willing to go out on a limb for if they're working in a post two hundred nine environment? So that that's true. I just think. That this does more good than it does harm, but I'm not saying there's no side
1: effects. Let, let me ask Christian. Let's assume this passes. Tell me how it affects you and the, the 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 collection process.
2: Well, obviously, it removes a large number of people from being collected from, mm-hmm. and and those you described that up
1: to this point primarily. On the basis of income, is that you? Is yes. that really the big –
2: it's not assets as much as it is income? Correct. Looking at people's income and saying we can ask them to pay, but what are the consequences if they don't? And if there are no consequences, unfortunately, you're going to have a large segment who is going to say, well, then I just won't. Um, and, you know, that's the one danger. And again, I'll reiterate, if you want to address medical debt, let's address medical debt. Let's have a policy debate and figure out, the best way to address that in the state. This is a very blunt instrument that affects the entire credit economy, not just medical providers. And it's going to flow all the way down the line. You're going to see those restrictions. And that group of people, the middle income above the poverty level, above the the sort of Medicaid eligibility level and below the $50,000, those are the ones that we're trying to help. And this is going to make it even more difficult for them because they're not going to have access to credit. I would argue, at all, or if they do, much more expensively. So I, I think that's the big reason that we're against this. It doesn't address medical debt. It isn't just for medical uh, providers. It's for everybody who loans money. And you know, when you talk about a credit economy, again, it's not just loaning money. If I perform a service and ask you to pay for it afterwards, I've extended you credit. Mm-hmm. Every instance you've run into or you've, you've done that in your life is at risk because of this and because of the – Again, the blunt instrument that it is. So I got some numbers. We're talking about
3: garnish of wages for a all second. Right, so we talked about the $50,000 mm-hmm. threshold. So uh, And that's
1: a threshold that you're saying, if I understand it correctly, below which you're not allowed to garnish
2: at all their wages wouldn't be eligible to be garnished because of
3: the it needs to be it's based on disposable income so Mm -hmm. there's a formula for what's disposable versus what's in your paycheck that's different things Mm -hmm. so the the so i got a little the little formula here i say is like if there's um a a parent with two kids so it's a three-member family uh annual income is fifty thousand dollars a year. Right now, at, under the laws in Arizona, which are mainly really governed by federal law, you can garnish at the most. Now, judges aren't always going to say garnish at this level, but you can right now garnish to $950 a month at max. Not, uh, not every case so on debt is going to be that. About
1: $11,000 a year out of the 50.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah right. right. If, two, if Prop 209 passes, that would go uh, to $380 a month. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's it's significantly dropping what you know would able to, what creditors could collect on mm-hmm. that family. It's not zero mm-hmm. you know but it goes from nine hundred and fifty a month to three hundred and eighty a month and I'm I'm totally I mean I admit freely look some they owe that money to somebody what I'm arguing is that for, at these lower income levels. That kind of relief, I believe, and I'm a public health guy, I think that's going to provide some relief to that family so that they can use that for, you know, school supplies or healthier food or something like that. But I totally get what Christian's point of view is, you know, look, they owe the money. And this is not a free lunch, and you'll admit that, too. This doesn't get rid of the debt like some Mm. other states and other jurisdictions might have different laws about that. This doesn't wipe anything away. It changes the guardrails, like where are the guardrails on, who's able to collect what and at what pace.
2: Unfortunately, it changes the guardrails for everybody, and that's the other argument we have. If you want to have a targeted program to help people who are truly in need develop that, this doesn't make a distinction. If they meet those income thresholds and the disposable income thresholds. Whether or not they have the ability to pay, whether or not that is something that they legitimately owe and agree to pay, it's off the table. I sure look at it as a citizen. I look at that very differently
1: based on how that debt came about. I see somebody who got hit with a catastrophic medical bill in one category and somebody ran up their credit card who basically – may have perceived that they needed stuff, but basically made discretionary decisions. I see those uh, on a moral basis really quite differently.
3: Yeah, there there are people who um, have a medical-type debt, and they end up paying a portion or all of it and putting it on their credit card. Mm-hmm. I would argue if listeners don't do that, because <laughs> well, look, look at the interest rate on your credit card before you make that kind of but so, decision. But I suppose—
1: Christian is
2: calling these people and saying, "Hey, you know," and and it
1: makes them go away for a while if you give them a credit card
2: number, right? Well, if they pay the debt, obviously we go away. Mm-hmm. If they say why they can't pay the debt, our clients are medical providers. They understand that they hear these people, especially when you get into the doctors' offices. These are people they may have been treating for years. They can be extremely flexible in, in how they handle that. I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but the one thing our industry has, has done, if you go to KnowMyDebt dot com, we're promoting financial literacy and what to do if you get that call because we don't want bad actors in our industry any, any more than people who are getting those calls get. And there's a lot of stuff that we're restricted from doing, a lot of stuff that we have to do. And I would ask people, talk to us, see what you can do about it, see how we can work with you because that's ultimately what we're trying to do on behalf of our clients. Well, I'm going to return. I'm going to go to you and I'm going to ask you, uh, sort of what a typical case
1: look what what your profile of cases would your collect. what is it? what's kind of what it what are most of them and basically to explain the process of how you go about it when we return after the break here in the think tank
0: the think tank ktar news on 92 3 fm and ktar.com
1: Right, we're here with Will Humble, former DHS director, Christian Lair in the bill collecting business. want to yeah. ask you about it yeah, because Bob. it's, a, I think, a mystery to people. First of all, could you describe to me kind of what the profile of your business is? It's people who, I mean, is it? largely medical debt? Is it how, and, and, and if it isn't, is that because of you? Really asking about the industry in general. who are Who is subject to, what's a profile of people who are subject to bill collection look like?
2: It really runs the gamut. Uh, one thing I started doing many years ago, because I'm, I'm proud of our industry, I'm proud of how we contribute back to the economy. People ask, what do you do? I'm a bill collector. Oh, and you get one or two responses. They turn away or they say, you know, I have a friend and get into a story about it. it it's anybody. Anybody can miss paying a bill. Anybody can miss uh, whether it's a medical bill, whether it's a uh, credit card payment. Someone's going to call them, ask them to pay it traditionally. So it, it's everybody. Our company only does medical debts. But, yeah, it's it's every sort of debt you can imagine that people might generate that they've agreed to pay. So I don't think anybody is immune from from possibly facing a call from us. But But – I, I'm asking about sort of big
1: tranches. Is is medical debt medical, the biggest tranche?
2: Yeah. Medical is a big one, student loans, and then you get into all of the other possible auto loans, uh, personal loans, uh, credit, credit cards. cards. Um, yeah, all of that stuff. So, yeah, but medical is certainly a big one. Student loans are certainly a large one as well. Uh,
1: I wonder if a lot of it isn't – now, not the medical, but the discretionary side of it is – you know, we have a society where you – there's lots of uh, – well, uh, buy a car. It, it's almost secondary what's a car cost. It's Well, it costs, you know, $400 a month. I said, well, wait a minute. That doesn't mean anything to me. For how many – you know, I I don't think that way. Sure. What's the bottom line total cost? And the, w- the rest
2: of it is how you're going to pay for it. But the cost is what the total cost is. Well, for a lot of people, yeah. I think it is – top of mind. What is it that has cost me a month so yeah. I need to be able to budget and make sure that I can afford yeah. it?
1: But if you get the wrong kind of interest rate or the wrong kind of deal, yeah. you're buying into a lifetime of debt. And you may not be
2: thinking about that at the moment, but you should. I, I'd love for you to do a whole segment on financial literacy. Mm-hmm. It's, our industry promotes it. It's the one thing that I wish was more prevalent in high schools. I think mm-hmm. sending kids out with the ability to get credit cards and a checkbook well, as long as I have a check, I can write a check, right? Yeah, and that's and and, and they and, get the credit yeah. card, and they only look at minimum amount due. <laughs> if nothing else, do an hour long um, class in high school about compound interest. That would solve <laughs> oh, so many of the problems that people run into, especially younger people. I had a uh, I had a mathematical question
1: that I once figured out. Uh, you spend five bucks a day on a Starbucks coffee, okay? And you start that from the day you enter college until you're my age, okay? And uh, you take that money and you put it in the stock market at 10% on a daily basis. What is that worth today? And the answer, and and if you know the math, you know how old I am, which I won't tell you, but the answer is $3.5 million.
2: That's compound interest. Even worse, is if you say I bought a five dollars Starbucks every day while I was in college and stopped after four years, what would it be worth when they're mm-hmm. your age? A lot less, but still it's, a lot. Yeah, it's not much less, and it's a significant because amount it's of money. the
1: time value. Exactly. It's the fact that this is many for many decades. Yeah, and that's that's the secret of wealth. It's not what you earn; it's what you save. So
3: it's uh, like we're turning into the Ramsey Show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanna I often wanted to go on there and say, you know, I got I a thing of that. You know, when I entered graduate school, um, I got a stipend of twenty four hundred dollars a year, not a month, <laughs> a year. Now, I didn't need all that money, so I went out and put it down and down payment and bought a house. You know, <laughs> but but nobody would believe it. But it's true. So, but but my kid got a great exercise It's along the financial literacy. He was in a advanced. Uh, middle school class and they gave him the following task they said okay uh, talk about what what kind of lifestyle you what kind of car you want to drive uh, what what kind of you know how where do you want to live and you have to go investigate what all these things cost now you have to now this is what income you need to produce that you got to figure that out now how do I get a job that has that income? What kind of schooling do I have to go to? And, all, and he went through this. all. Oh, he's a middle school kid. And he came back and he said, uh, Dad, I'm going to live at home. <laughs> 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 it was, it was a, a reasonable calculation of all his desires. So let me ask you, okay, I asked you about the profile of uh, – but talk if you would, Christian, about the process. So I didn't pay some bill. i it, a doctor's bill. I owe a couple of thousand yeah. dollars to a doctor. Uh, well, they're going to try to collect it for me for a while. W- yes. What's at, at some point, they turn over you. How, what, how does that process look like?
2: You're going to get a letter from us, and we're required to send you that letter. Uh, we're also going to try to give you a call, and there's some restrictions on that. Uh, you may get a text message, the new rules that came out from the, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, the CFPB, have given us some guidance on how we can do text messages or email. And ultimately, we want to communicate with you. As you pointed out, if you can't pay and if you tell us you can't pay and you tell us why you can't pay, there are very few options we have, especially if we can verify that you don't have the resources, you don't have the money to pay. We'll communicate that back to our clients. Otherwise, we'll ask you to pay, and we'll try to work with you to figure out if you can pay it all at once, if you're going to pay it over time, how we can help you structure that, and absent any communication, we're going to assume not only that you owe it, but you have the money to pay it and you're just trying to avoid us. So that's when you get into whether it's lawsuits, whether it's other efforts that are being made to try to collect from it. That's what a collection agency is going to now, try to do. At what point – I I thought in a lot of cases you
1: are actually buying the debt for some fraction of, of the value. But in other instances, what I infer is, no, you're collecting on behalf of the doctor's office or something. It right.
2: maybe a commission. We're, we're uh, a vendor. Yeah. It's, it's our job to do better what they've tried to do and, mm-hmm. and didn't succeed at. Um, again, if you keep using analogies. You hire a painter to paint your house. You could do it yourself. Mm-hmm. But it'll take twice as long and it'll be half as good. That's mm-hmm. why they hire us. There are debts that are sold, debts that are purchased for... Uh, you know, less than what the full amount is that people then try to collect on. A lot of medical debt is still owned by the hospital or the medical provider, mm-hmm. and they hire us to try to collect it for them. Mm. So it works both ways. Mm-hmm. Which which is, Which is bigger? I mean, purchased debt or? Uh, placed debt. Meaning? For debt. medical debt that the hospital or the medical it's still, provider still owns. is still going to
1: get the money you're going to get a commission.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: So... Um, if this happens, uh, your industry, we, we got two like two minutes, minute and a half left. Uh, final thought, I'll go to Will. Your final thoughts on this. Why, why on balance is this a good thing in your idea? I think it's a good thing
3: because it provides some uh, better protection for lower income people uh, to uh, be able to continue to pay the debt that they owe uh, but have uh, – You know, some higher thresholds, especially the garnishing of wages. I mean, I think there's two really important things to me. It's the 3% interest rate cap on the medical debt we talked a lot about interest if rates. If you
1: owe a lot of money, the interest rate is – Well, wow, that kill was it. the thing I thought – just to, aside on the student loans, I thought the thing Biden could have done yeah, politically was don't forgive a nickel, but, but put, the, break put to, the interest rate down to the federal rate or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Probably would have helped people more and been more acceptable. I agree with you. Politically. Um,
3: but the, the 3% cap on the medical mm-hmm. debt rate and then uh, the, the protecting more of a person's paycheck – on what can be garnished and those two things the reason i like it is i think it's going to help
1: uh some families stay out of poverty you got 15 seconds
2: it's overreach it is going to affect a lot more people than uh you think it's going to affect it's going to affect the credit economy and just as a uh now 24 year uh arizonan it's a bunch of Californians telling us what they think we should do instead of Arizonans making that decision.
1: You get the final word. I want to thank you both. If you want to reach me, it's Mike O'Neill.org. We'll see you next week on a different topic of public interest in the think tank.